0: Welcome to the State of Research Podcast, brought to you by the Office of the Vice President for Research and KCSU, narrated and produced by me, Christian Ria, OVPR's Digital Specialist. OVPR's State of Research Podcast was created to showcase our campus as one of the premier research institutions amongst American universities. The Office of the Vice President for Research has the responsibility of facilitating all research enterprises amongst the eight colleges at Coral State University. Our office works to encourage and support the development, marketing, and application of CSU's intellectual property and our world-renowned researchers, students, and facilities. With this podcast, we hope to deconstruct the rationale that research is more than an analytical approach toward discovering new and enlightening answers to the complex and direct questions we ask ourselves, but it is also a journey filled with unique stories, individualized inspirations, and perseverance to solve global challenges. In our broadcast, we hope to create purposeful stories about innovation, inspiration, research, and the determination needed to propel our state of being toward the future. On this episode, I sit down with Shane Garland and Derek Young, both grad students in mechanical engineering at Colorado State. Shane and Derek currently work with the ITS labs over at CSU's Powerhouse Energy Campus, where they're working on an ultra-efficient turbo compression cooling system. Both engineers work alongside their team to design, build and implement a thermally powered supplementing cooling system for thermoelectric power plants, which enable dry cooling back into the power plant. Well, welcome Shane and Derek. Thank you guys for being on the show today. Um, Shane, how about you give us a brief overview of the project and what sort of purpose behind it, the goals and what sort of direction you guys are aiming toward? with this cooling system that you guys are producing.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, So the cooling system that we have designed and developed here at Colorado State is a system that takes in heat and transfers that into cooling. And how this is useful for power plants is that power plants use a lot of water for cooling, actually about 40% of all the fresh water withdrawals in the U.S. go to power plants just to cool them. And most of that water actually gets kind of recycled within the plant. But about four percent of it gets evaporated off in evaporative cooling towers, and so you'll see these these towers, especially in the winter time, you'll see big vapor plumes coming off the top of the of a power plant, mm-hmm. and that those vapor plumes, it's not smoke, it's not it's not anything that's it's bad. It's just water vapor going into the air. Okay. And that four percent might not seem like a big number, but it's actually about four point three billion gallons of water per wow. day. Wow. Um, which we, we have a kind of a fun statistic for that it's about four and a half olympic swimming pools per minute worth of water in the that's us a lot of water. that's going out of the system out of the power plant and just mm-hmm. leaving that environment and so this can become a big problem especially in places like the desert southwest where they have been experiencing drought conditions for the last couple of years mm-hmm. and a lot of those locations are at risk of just running out of water not being able to operate their power plant and so in those locations you could have blackout conditions in those areas or you'd have to buy very expensive electricity from other locations. So the goal of our, our project is to take the basically take some heat from the stack of the power plant, convert that into cooling, and then mm-hmm. use that to offset some of the cooling load of the plant to try to eliminate some of the water that's used. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm.
2: Nice.
0: Um, Derek, what sort of materials are needed, you know, to produce such a such a complex product?
2: So the system that we've built has two distinct sides. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a power cycle and a cooling cycle. Um, And for each of those respective cycles, there's some pretty complex machinery that we use. So we use very efficient heat exchangers and very efficient turbo machinery to connect those cycles. Okay. Could you give me more insight on where this engine will be used? So the initial application that we... Uh, examined was power plant cooling, mm-hmm. um, but there's a number of other spaces where it could be useful. So, any place or any any type of system uh, that has some kind of waste heat, we can apply our system. So, for example, um, large marine vessels mm-hmm. use huge diesel engines and those engines put off a lot of heat uh, that's typically wasted. So, we could potentially implement our system there use some of that heat and turn it into cooling to reduce the amount of electricity
1: that they use for cooling.
0: Okay. Nice.
2: Um, what sort of
0: funding do you guys need?
1: Yeah. So we're, we're currently funded by a government agency called ARPA-E, mm-hmm. which is the advanced research projects agency energy. And it's very similar to DARPA, which is the defense version of that. Okay. And, but basically ARPA-E is a pretty cutting edge technological, yeah. uh, agency where they're trying to fund um, very advanced projects such as ours, which are in the more of the starting phase of development and then trying to move that technology to something that will be more marketable in the future or become an actual product. And that's one of their main goals is to try to make, bring a system from sort of the the ground level at an institution and try to move it to the next level.
0: Um, What sort of challenges have you guys witnessed or experienced throughout this process
2: so it it's uh it's been a lot it's been a big learning experience i think for both of us yeah Um,
0: i'm sure yeah i I wouldn't be able to just sit there and build an engine (laughs) yeah right so even plan to build one
2: right so that's something that i don't think either of us had a lot of experience in um and it, it absolutely is not just us there's a huge team of people working on this project um
0: how many other people on the team do you guys have
1: We've probably had a, there's probably about five people that do um, pretty much working full time on the project, Okay. but there have maybe been 15 to 20 total people that I've had some hand, um, whether they're working just for a couple months or.
0: Within um, the span of how long?
1: So the project has been going for about two and a half years now. Okay. Um, so we've maybe had about 15 to 20 people over two and a half years mm-hmm. that have been working on it. So
0: a lot of ma- manpower behind this
2: engine. Yeah, Absolutely.
1: definitely. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Um, so for challenges. Yeah. Um, one of the most challenging things that we experienced was actually just leak checking because there's a lot of piping, there's a lot of fittings, there's a lot of components um, that could potentially leak. And wow, we spent probably three months, months just <laughs> getting all the leaks out of the <laughs> system, like identifying them, fixing them, going back. And by the time you go back after you fix those, you've identified. 15 more so it just felt like a never-ending process but it took a long time but uh, we're finally completely almost leak free
1: (laughs) (laughs) almost there yeah that's right
0: i'm sure that can be like pretty nerve-wracking you know especially when you have these you know big um funders behind this project like they obviously have some intent behind producing this you know long-term wise (laughs) yeah (laughs) um what sort of results have you guys gotten throughout this process
1: yeah so the Basically, we're, we're shooting for a COP target for our system. It's how much energy you get out of the system divided by how much energy you have to put into the system to make it work. And we're shooting for a pretty high target for a heat-activated cooling system. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been able to meet an intermediate target so far of a COP of about 1.75. And our, our high target is 2.1. Oh, okay. And um, we've met that intermediate target, and we're trying to shoot for that final target now um, in these... The past couple of months, we've been making some modifications to try to try to make that work.
0: Yeah, how has your uh, team managed to, you know, rethink, re-strategize, you know, the concept of this product?
1: So there's been kind of a number of different changes as okay. we've as we've gone along. Mm-hmm, I'm sure. Um, just based on some some things that we uh, designed in a, in a certain way, and we found out that it, it didn't end up working. So one of the one of the big challenges that we've had is. Um, one of our pumps, mm-hmm. um, that we had, we had sized for our system. Uh, we had the wiring actually backwards on the pump. Um, so whose job was that? Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, it's, it's hard to say whose job it was, yeah. <laughs> but, um, everyone, it was everyone's job. And, but basically what that wiring does is that means the pump was running in reverse operation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was pushing the, it wasn't not very efficient at all. And we weren't quite getting the flow rate that we, were thinking, and we, we spent a couple months uh, just banging our heads against the wall, trying to figure out what was going on yeah. until finally one of the professors in our lab just came by just like, you know, it could just be running backwards. <laughs> Shout out to John Mizier, yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much. Yeah.
0: <laughs> he knows what he's doing. Yeah. big time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that, I think that's one of the things like, you know, we, we were sort of thrown into this project. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we didn't have a ton of experience on the project. But we, we've been put into this role and we're trying our best to, to do everything right. But sometimes we just make some mistakes. Yeah. Um, I mean,
0: you have to make mistakes on the way in, in order to grow, you know, and learn from them. Yeah. Definitely. Even even when you're building an engine like this. Yeah. It's never going to go, you know, as planned. Nothing ever really does. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. So could you both describe your roles and like what sort of things that you guys have to manage specifically? Um, we'll start with Shane.
1: Yeah, sure. So my role on the project, I've been w- working on this project since it first started mm-hmm. uh, about two and a half years ago. And I've been sort of the lead engineer on the project. So it, I was in charge of the initial simulation of the system okay. in a modeling program and then did a lot of work on the facility design in a solid modeling where you're drawing um, how, what the system's going to look like on the computer and then worked on building the system. And then running the, running the data, collecting data and doing the analysis on the data. So I've been involved in some way for pretty much the entire project. Mm -hmm. Um, and then also I've been running the sort of doing uh, some more management skills, um, such as managing such a team like you you have behind you, managing the team And and Derek, I'm sure making sure people are meeting their deadlines and, um, etc yeah yeah um so i've i've had a role in pretty much every aspect of the project so far
0: what sort of um experience prior to this leadership role did you have to help kind of just help you get here
1: yeah so i think one of the biggest things that has helped me especially with the more management side Mm -hmm. of the project has been my uh, senior design project Uh, i went to my undergrad university was bradley university Mm -hmm. which is over in um Peoria, Illinois, and I worked with a team of three other engineers, and I was sort of the lead engineer on that team to work with an actual company and design a uh, certain component that they needed for their system. Okay. and I think having that leadership role has really helped me to jump to this bigger leadership role here with the TCCS.
0: Nice. What about you, Derek? What sort of <clears throat> well, what is your role right now in the project?
2: So. My role on the project has been doing a lot of the techno-economic analysis on our system. Um, And what that means is basically finding new applications for our system Mm -hmm. and seeing how the economics play out. So we can save this much money by utilizing your waste heat. Our system will cost X amount of dollars and therefore we'll have a payback period of 2, 10, 20 years, whatever it is. Yeah.
0: Um, so you're a part of like the budget planning, sure, yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> and then, in addition, I've kind of been helping out with data collection, fabrication, testing, leak checking, leak fixing, <laughs> yeah, um and then a little bit of solid modeling, a little bit of thermal modeling. so
0: and what sort of experience did you have prior to this to help you you know manage this role?
2: <laughs> well, um. I actually didn't have a lot of experience, but I started this project only, I started working on this project only about a year and a half ago. So I had about a year of grad school under my belt here at CSU before I started on this. And I think that helped a lot, just kind of getting a feel for how the graduate school works, how this project works. So I think that the year before I started this project helped a lot.
0: Nice. Could you guys tell me more about the Powerhouse Energy Campus? And what sort of you know projects take place there obviously yours does but i'm sure there's other projects that you know are, are taken there and um
2: yeah yeah so the powerhouse is a nexus of energy research and there's a number of different projects in a ton of different spaces uh that go on there mm-hmm. ranging from advanced biomass cook stoves
1: they also have uh, a lot of large engines so diesel engines uh, sponsored by Cummins or John Deere or Caterpillar. Oh, wow. And then um, a, a very large natural gas compression engine as mm-hmm. well that is used all over the U.S. Um, but this one in particular is there's only, I think, four of them that are actual research uh, natural gas engines. And CSU has one of them, which is pretty exciting. There's also a lot ton of work on, like, um, advanced fuels. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of, lot of work there on uh, algae-based fuels yeah. or, um, like, biodiesel. Um, things like that. And there's even some uh, robotics work that goes on at the powerhouse, but it's it's mostly all uh, centralized around energy and trying to trying to make a cleaner environment essentially,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, that's the goal always <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Well, awesome. Thank you guys for sharing um, some insights on your project as well as the powerhouse. Now we're moving into segment two of the podcast where we kind of dive into the personal stories behind. Um, Shane and Derek's academics and also just some personal insights on their life just so we could get to know them a little bit better. To start off, Derek, what is your favorite book?
2: I think uh, I have a couple favorite books, I okay. think. I like to read a lot of... Well, I, I like fantasy books because mm-hmm. I'm a like total Star nerd. Wars. Yeah, I like Star Wars. But yeah. that's not a book. <laughs> or like uh, Game of Thrones. I like oh, those okay. books. Um, but I also like to read about musicians and like musical autobiographies. Mm-hmm. So, I think one of my favorite books would be Born to Run by Bruce Springsteen. I'm a big Springsteen fan, and then I also like to read books about like the history of science. Mm-hmm. So, there's a book called The Ascent of Man by Jacob Bronowski, um, and that kind of chronicles, in in his eyes, it chronicles how we came to be as humans from, you know, the start of humanity. So.
0: Nice. And do you have any specific quotes from any of those books that you find meaningful or any sort of quotes that in life that are, you know, sort of significant?
2: Sure. So one from Bruce Springsteen, got to start with him. (laughs) Um, In his book, he wrote, the need to look for direction, input, and some guidance outside of yourself can be healthy and fruitful. Um, As I was reading that, I realized it kind of sounds like a fortune cookie, but (laughs) regardless... I think it's important to know and to understand that you aren't always going to have all the answers and it's healthy and fruitful, like he said, to seek some outside perspective. Yeah.
0: And I think even going off of that, like engaging in a conversation and, you know, having questions for others and trying to get their sort of insights like we are right now, you know? Exactly. Like this is, we're living that quote right now. Preach. (laughs) Preach. (laughs) Um, What about you, Shane? What sort of books are you into reading?
1: Yeah, I read a a number of different types of books. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say a good mix of nonfiction and fiction. Uh, But my favorite book, um, which is sort of fiction slash uh, philosophical at the same time, is uh, Infinite Jest Mm -hmm. by David Foster Wallace. And the book is is pretty, pretty long. It's, It's gigantic. Is um, it like
0: over 500
1: pages? Oh, it's, yeah, it's 1200 sure. pages. <laughs> wow! How long r- did
0: it take for you to read that?
1: Uh, well, I actually read it when I was um, on—I was in Europe a couple summers back mm-hmm. and uh, riding on trains a lot. Oh, and I didn't okay. have any service or anything, so I had a lot of time to read, mm-hmm. and I ended up reading a lot of it on that on those train rides. Um, and the whole book is, is sort of about like the pursuit of happiness in mm-hmm. America and trying to. Um, rationalize that, and it goes through a ton of different complex issues, um, and tr- but it makes them understandable. And it's a it's a pretty complicated story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if, if you ever I'm have sure time if it's twelve hundred it, pages, yeah. <laughs> if you ever have time to read it, I, I, I think it's a great a great read.
0: Nice. Um, are there any specific quotes from that book do you find meaningful or any?
1: Yeah, well, there are there's a ton of quotes in that book, uh, yeah. but I do have one actually from from my dad. Um, That has sort of resonated in my life, I feel like. And it was something that um, pretty much every morning uh, when he would drop us off at school, Mm -hmm. starting from like age probably five, like preschool, (laughs) kindergarten, he would, every time he dropped us off, he would say, work hard, play hard, try new things. And you know, he would have us say it back to him sometimes, or yeah. most time he would just say, it, or we would just like blow him off or whatever. <laughs> whatever, Dad. Um, you don't know what you're talking and about. And so after a while, he started adding in there, "Don't just say it, live it." Hmm. And That's a good quote. You know, after all all the times of hearing it over and over and over, it just sort of gets ingrained in you. Mm-hmm. And it's it's something that I've really uh, taken on as a as an adult now as something that is. You know, that's, that's something, how I try to live my life is yeah. to work really hard, but also play hard at the same time. So mm-hmm. go out and do some fun activities outside yeah, you gotta of Yeah, to reward yourself. Yeah. And then try new things. So there's a lot of, it's easy to just get into a rut and to just do the same thing all mm-hmm. the time and over and over and over, but to try to get into something that, you know, challenges you or pushes your comfort zone. And I think that, I know, that quote in particular has been pretty significant in my life now that I think back on it. Mm-hmm. So... Well, thank
0: you for sharing that quote with us.
2: I think it's important to note that Shane rewards himself for working hard by punishing himself. <laughs> um, he once biked, rode his bike from Fort Collins to Longs Peak, left Fort Collins at around 3 a.m., biked 50 miles to Longs Peak, hiked it, hiked back down, and then biked 50 miles back to Fort Collins. Oh, my God. And that that's his <laughs> idea of playing hard. I
1: thought it was pretty fun.
0: I mean, it sounds really fun but also very challenging. <laughs> that's Yeah, it
2: was pretty tough. That's that a normal weekend for Shane. Yeah. So. Yeah.
0: Well, at least you're living up to your, you know, your dad's quote of um, you know, trying new things. Yeah. That is something not a lot of people would commit to doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, again, thank you guys for sharing that with me. So, Shane, um, you mentioned your dad and this meaningful quote that he kind of instilled in you as a child. Do you consider him one of your, you know, major influences and mentors in your life?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would definitely consider him a pretty big mentor. I think most people or a lot of people would say that their father is a a big mentor to them. Um, But I have had a couple of other mentors, especially in my uh, undergrad. I had one uh, advisor, Dr. Dean Kim. He was uh, my major project advisor on my senior design project. And he came from a background of more of a controls standpoint, Mm -hmm. so working with uh, an electrical system to try to optimize it. And the project that we were tasked with doing was more of a structural project, and he didn't have a whole lot of background with that. (laughs) And so, like one of the first things that he came in, one of the first days, he was he was talking with us, and he's like, "Well, does this project have anything to do with controls?" We were like, "No, no, this has nothing to do with it." And he he seemed like he was kind of bummed at first that he didn't get a a project that he had a particular background in. Mm -hmm. But he really uh, stepped up and he helped us out a lot on our project. Um, He he was really uh, helpful with that. And he even went down to... We took a trip down to Arizona to test our project on a... So our project was to design a steering pin joint Mm -hmm. for a huge um, mining truck for a company called Komatsu. Okay, And they do... um, one of these mining trucks hauls like 250 tons of material and it's 40 feet tall and uh, 50 feet wide. And, um, and and he sort of went out of his way to come down on this project with us to make sure that everything was going to go smoothly. And so I, I think that he he was a really good mentor of mine in undergrad.
0: Yeah. So um, what about his personality and sort of work ethic? Did you kind of relate to or sort of idolize to a certain degree? Like
1: like I said before, like he didn't really know a whole lot about what we were particularly working on Mm -hmm. but he really dove right in and uh really tried to help us and even i think learned a little bit of himself yeah at the same time and so that's one thing that i've sort of looked up to is that you don't necessarily need to know everything everything about everything yeah you can just really you can dive in and still be able to do a good job yeah even if it's not your primary background,
0: I mean, you guys are living that right now in the project you yeah. guys are working on you yeah exactly sort of like, you don't know exactly what you're doing, but during the process you're learning you know from your mistakes and your you know your mentors and your professors so yeah, so I think that that's a great you know that's a great story. um what about you, Derek? who do you appreciate as a mentor
2: so i th- I think I have quite a few yeah. um number one are my parents. I know you guys are gonna listen to this. you guys are the bomb. <laughs> thanks for everything. <laughs> Um, You're awesome. (laughs) Yeah, it's just it's I can't put into words how much I owe you guys. So you guys are the bomb. (laughs) Um, and there are three individuals from my undergrad, uh, education who I'd like to call out, um, as specifically being mentors. And the first is Dean Miracle. The second is Dr. Phil Spickler, and then the third is Dr. Tim Kreps. They all, in different ways kind of influenced me um and and kind of guided me in the right direction to do the right thing to be a good person and to work hard i'll just tell a, a quick story about dean miracle miracle so yeah his <laughs> name is william miracle uh and he was the dean of students at bridgewater college and so we were i think it was a my sophomore year of college we were about to get a new dining service provider mm-hmm. and Dean Miracle reached out to me and he said, hey, there's this university about six hours away from us who uses one of the service providers that is bidding for our contract. He goes, I want to taste their food. I want to see if the food's <laughs> any good. He's like, do you want to go with me? And I was like, yeah. and I was like, I-, I could totally miss class whatever day of the week that is. I'm <laughs> no in. No big
0: deal. Let's do it.
2: So Dean Miracle and I are driving six hours to Bucknell University. And along the way, he, I mean, we just talked, I mean, obviously you're in a, you're in a car for six hours. Mm -hmm. We talked about everything under the sun. He told me how he did everything with his older brother and, you know, they were planning on, they played high school football together. They were planning on going to college together. Um, and then he said, unfortunately my brother went to Princeton. And from there I knew that we would have to not do everything together. Part ways. <laughs> yeah. Um. But kind of telling that story, we talked a lot about how these tiny little decisions that you make in your life that you think are meaningless actually totally change the direction of your life, right? Mm-hmm. So you choose one thing, you choose the other, you're on a totally different path. And I think that has kind of influenced me to to think carefully about decisions that I make, small or large, and also you know just understand that they have weight behind them. And, um, yeah, so
0: Dean Miracle. Well, thank you both for sharing, you know, some insights on the mentors that, you know, have kind of influenced you, you guys in your lives. Um, I also know that you guys both work with Todd over at the powerhouse. Could you guys talk more about his role and also just like your experience with him as a mentor, as a guide?
1: Yeah. So, uh, Dr. Bandhauer is basically the director of the ITS lab where both Derek and I work. That's the Interdisciplinary Thermal Science Lab. Um, It's over at the Powerhouse, as Mm -hmm. we've been talking about this whole time. And he's also an assistant professor over at CSU. And so one of the biggest things that um, I sort of admire with Dr. Brandhauer is that he's stretched pretty thin. Yeah. Um, He's an assistant professor. He's running this lab. He's got 12 different graduate students underneath him. And he's also got some undergraduate students doing some work. Wow. He's got three kids. He's got three kids. He's a busy guy. Um, no got, doubt. He travels all over the place for different conferences. Mm-hmm. And yet, whenever you see him, he's always... He has high energy. He's he's excited to work. um, And he makes you excited yeah. because he's excited. Yeah. So, And it's one of those things where he can be talking to you about your project. And then one of his other students might come up to him and say, like, oh, I got a question about my project over here. And he can just flip, like, just transition directly to that person be completely laser focused in on them and just sol- like basically solve their problem yeah, for them yeah. and it's it's pretty inspiring to to see that, that happen that is
0: inspiring to see you know someone that you work alongside and um they're able to do that with you know various people that they work with and work around
2: yeah i think what i admire most about dr Bandhauer is uh he's just so excitable like you can start talking to him and then like you can see him visibly Get super excited about either what you're saying or some other idea that he has, and there's been a number of times where he'll come over to Shane or I and goes, "Guys, I have an idea," and then he'll just like furiously write down for like five minutes, and he's just like talking and talking, and most of the time, I am <laughs> totally lost, and I just he is just talking it and just ripping off things so fast, <laughs> um, and it takes me a little while to catch up, but yeah, he, it's just it's it's a really fun. He's a really
1: fun guy to work for.
0: Okay, moving forward, um, Shane, what sort of goals do you have related to your career?
1: Yeah, so I think one thing that uh, Derek and I are both kind of excited about is the our current project, mm-hmm. the turbo compression cooling, um, and trying to explore some different markets and then take the project to maybe a startup company um, to so like we could bring our team that's been working on this project yeah. for the past couple of years. And we really know a lot about how the system works and how it operates. And I think that we would be very well suited to move into the startup realm and try to um, sell these devices in yeah. a space that makes sense.
0: How much time do you think you would have to take until you got to that?
1: Um, so we, we've been exploring some options mm-hmm. even, even now. Um, oh, we'd wow. like to get some additional funding yeah. to try to work on that. Um, but... Um, it, it could be anywhere in, within two years, five years, um, somewhere in the pretty near future. I think we, Derek and I would be, both be pretty excited about um, coming on for a project like that.
0: Yeah, that would be a great sort of thing to push through.
2: Absolutely. I think it would be really good to get, uh, well, at least it, it has been really good to get a feel for the business side and the economic side and how that interplays with the technology. Um, and I think forming a startup would be the perfect marriage of those two concepts.
0: Nice. Um, Derek, what about you? What sort of life goals do you have?
2: So life goals, that's, that's a, that's a really big question, but I I think that, you know, if I can just, you know, make one person happier or, you know, one person's life a little easier or better, et cetera, I think then that would be a successful life for me because, you know, I don't know, just simple.
1: Yeah. I think.
0: I think that that's a pretty easy goal to manage, you know?
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. I think one thing that we've kind of uh, hinted on for the rest the, during this podcast is to be, you know, we're, we're all just kind of figuring it out as yeah. we go. Um, we've been just working on, you know, we, we each came into this project not really knowing what we were mm-hmm. doing and trying to, we've really had to figure it out. And we really appreciate Dr. Ben like pushing us into this role. Yeah. And I think that's really going to be helpful uh, moving forward in life in general.
2: I yeah. think that's a perfect
1: analogy for life because,
2: you know, you're born into this life and you just got to figure it out, man. You have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> there is yeah.
0: definitely no rule book. Yeah, that's right. People try and give you a rule book, but you're like, no, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's Absolutely. part of growing up, too. Yep. Well, thank you guys so much for being on the show and and sharing your insights about, you know, the project, your life, these mentors that have influenced you over the years. You know, I really think that this is, has been a great show, and it's our first show, actually. So congratulations to you guys for being chosen and being on the show. I really appreciate you guys being here. Yeah. Congrats
2: uh, to you, too. That's super exciting. Oh, We're excited you. to see where this goes. Yeah, yeah I'm excited. Thanks a lot for having
0: us. Yeah, of course. Um, shout out to the Powerhouse and to everyone.
2: Over at the Energy Institute. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Everyone that we work with on our project, too. Uh, we can't give enough credit to our team yep. too, for helping us get through and being successful.
2: Alex, John, Ricky, <laughs> yeah.
1: Achude. The whole team. The whole team, really.
0: Well, awesome. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. We look forward to exploring and sharing new research stories with you every other week. Check out OVPR's Facebook and Instagram pages at COLO State Research to hear about the latest research stories taking place at Colorado State and be sure to keep an eye out for any announcements on these social platforms for all future State of Research podcast episodes. Special thanks to KCSU for giving us this platform to tell these stories, Shane and Derek for being on the show and sharing some insights on the powerhouse, their project, and life, and all of you listeners for tuning in with us. Until next time, ciao.